many of you realize that we, have, we live in a culture that is having an identity crisis? Right? I mean, it really is having an identity crisis. I want to tell you just a quick story about one of my uh, an identity crisis I kind of went through a few years back, and my wife will appreciate this story. Uh, we we made, decided to make a family trip to New Orleans and go walk around the, the French Quarter and do all that kind of stuff. Everybody's been to, to New Orleans, I'm sure, plenty of times. And, and there's always an opportunity to go and see like a little side show, right? So they had some, some acrobats and uh, they, had some, they were doing some jumps and dances and they had some, some stands there. So we figured we would just go and sit in the stands and watch the show, right? It's innocent enough, okay? It's just a, like a Saturday afternoon right there in the French Quarter. We're sitting in the stands. They begin to do their, their little thing that they do. And then they asked for some volunteers, and uh, so, I mean, that, now there's probably, I don't know, three or 400 people just kind of huddled around this group in this little stadium kind of thing. And I'm like, well, certainly, you know, I'm just uh, going to blend in really well in this huge crowd, right? And uh, so they go through and they start making some selections. Well, we need, a, we need a woman, right? We need a young kid and we need a this, we need a that. Well, finally, he says, we need a rich, tall, white guy, Right? So I'm like, well, man, so I'm looking around the crowd, you know, like, golly, you know. And uh, next thing you know, he's like, you up there. I'm like, what? man, whoa, where, who's, I hate to be that guy. Well, so sure enough, you know, they, it's not just to point you out, because I'm, I'm like, I'm convinced I do not look like a, a rich, tall, white guy, okay? So they, he starts making his way up the crowd. And he's like, you, man. I'm like, oh. Come on. Okay. So he drug me down in front of every, all these people. And, of course, uh, you know, you have to participate. I mean, it's kind of it's what you do in those moments. But, but the reality was is that he was pretty well off base. I mean, I may be, I'm not what I would consider tall. I'm definitely white and by no means rich, right? <laughs> by no means rich. The, the truth is is that we live in a culture that, can, that quickly begins to put labels on people. Right? I mean, we could just look at people and see that there's something going on. And we begin to function in, in, in how we perceive people instead of how people actually are. Right? We begin to put labels on people. And in fact, it, it causes this identity crisis that America is going through. You don't have to watch the news very long to see that our youth are having an identity crisis. And I'm convinced that it's, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy that's raising the youth of today. Right? As, as some of you are. And some of you are some of the people that raised the people that's raising the youth of today, right? And some of you are maybe the people that's raising the people that's raising the people that's raising the youth of today, right? It goes on and on. So we all have to take a, a responsibility in that. But I'm convinced that we're going through an identity crisis. First impressions are so, so important, right? But they're not always accurate. And in fact, Jesus was going through somewhat of an identity crisis. I'm pretty sure that Jesus, when he was on this earth, he knew exactly who he was and what his purpose was. But many of those around him maybe didn't know who he was or what his purpose was. And I think that even today, part of what our identity crisis is based upon is that we have a misunderstanding of who Jesus really is. And of course, the title of the message, we're going to go through kind of a series over these next few weeks, Lord willing, and we're going to begin to say, look at who is Jesus. In fact, who did Jesus say that he was, or that he is, in fact? You look here at Mark 8, 27, 29, it says, Now Jesus and his disciples 
went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, answered him and said, You are the Christ. You see, the, the, the question that Jesus asked, But who do you say that I am? How you answer that question today can determine the rest of your life. How you perceive Jesus and what you perceive Jesus to be in your life can change the rest of your life. You see, many people, they, they love John the Baptist. I mean, he was like, you know, dunking people in the river. They come up, they're, 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 they're the baptism of repentance. They had this opportunity to be made right before the Lord. I mean, but at this time, John the Baptist was, I mean, they didn't know who. I mean, how would Jesus possibly be John the Baptist? Or how could he possibly be Elijah? Elijah is, was dead, or one of the prophets, they were all gone. You see, all of those required, the, the, the prophets and Elijah, they required a, a resurrection. You know, it's only in Scripture that we can find out who does Jesus say that he is. How many of you realize that that's an important thing to look at, right? That as we all look at our own identity crisis, who do you say that you are? I want you to see that in Scripture, and as we look at this, and we see how Jesus determines who he is, we can see who we are in that. You know, the Bible, uh, Paul says, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I want to be as closely resembling Christ as I possibly can be. And in that, walking in my full identity and proper identity. I know most of y'all was just sitting there during worship, and I, was, I kind of had a, just a thought about the Wizard of Oz. Y'all seen the Wizard of Oz, right? And remember the cowardly lion. You know, he wasn't living up to his full potential, right? He wasn't living up to his full potential. I believe that there's many of us here that aren't living up to our full potential. But Jesus spent a lot of time telling us exactly who he was. In fact, he said in, in John 15, 1, he said, I am the vine. I am the true vine, right? And we're going to look at some of these over these next few weeks. He says, I am the light of the world. This is what Jesus said. This is who Jesus said that he is. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the door. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In fact, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But the one I want to specifically look at today is in John chapter 11, verse 25, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. I am the resurrection and the life. So looking at this verse, John eleven twenty five. Because if you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. And we're going to be in that, those, that chapter 11 here for a little while. I'll give you an opportunity to get there. But as we just begin to open up Scripture, can we just take a moment and pause and just pray and ask the Lord to begin to speak to us? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you don't have an identity crisis. Lord, we thank you that you've provided everything that we need to know who you are and, Lord, to know who we are in you. Lord, I pray that you quicken our spirits. Lord, that you open up the floodgates of heaven, Lord God, and begin to pour out into us your wisdom, your knowledge, and your understanding. Lord, that we can grow closer to you as we grow closer to each other. Lord, we thank you for that. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Everybody there? John chapter 11, verse 25. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Amen. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Of course, this passage of Scripture is found in a lot greater story, right? Jesus is telling a pretty incredible story at this time about a friend of his named Lazarus. And we're not going to read through the entire uh, chapter of John chapter 11. Uh, Let me get there. That would be a good place to start. But as we look at this story, we can get a better understanding. What does Jesus mean? I am the resurrection and the life. Of course, we see here that Jesus is is responding to Martha. and He's responding to the sister of of Lazarus. Lazarus is found there as a man who was a friend of God. It says in, in, in John chapter 11, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who, it was the same Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. You see here that, that, that Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, a close personal friend. And he became sick. And, and Mary and Martha, they sent people to go get Jesus, right? I mean, shouldn't that be our response in this world? When we get sick, when we have a need, go get Jesus. Well, as we're going to see that we have the opportunity to, we can just go right to Jesus, and as Jesus, he, he began to do what he can do, and, and he began to do, continue the ministry that he was at, and in fact, waited two days in order to go to see Lazarus right there in Bethany. Bethany being about two miles from Jerusalem. And it was, we can look in verse 9, it says, uh, I'm sorry, let's go to verse 8. It says, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? So this is, they're saying, Jesus, if you go to this town of Bethany, let me warn you that, these, that there are people there, it's dangerous to go and do what you're going to do. That, that, that Lazarus is there, he's sick, I know that he needs you, we've already seen you do a miracle kind of uh, from afar, we're, we're, we're asking that you maybe do that again. But Jesus says to them, he says, we are not 12 hours, or they're not 12 hours in a day. If anyone walks in the city, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Come on, we know that Jesus is the light of this world. He continues to say in verse 11, he says, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Of course, the, the story continues, and, and, and they tell him that, 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 that he's getting sicker, and, and finally Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Verse 15, he says, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Verse 17, it says, And Jesus came and found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. You see, in this story, Jesus is going, and Lazarus, he's in the tomb, and he's dead. He's been in there for four days. And he begins to talk with Mary, and he begins to talk with Martha. And then we have this this moment where Jesus brings a little bit of clarification into who he is. In verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asked the question, do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, 
who is to come into this world. Of course, the story continues, and we know that if we jump all the way over to to John chapter 11, verse 43, Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And we know that Lazarus comes out of the tomb. You know, in today's culture, in today's society, everybody's pretty well okay with this whole thought of resurrection. I mean, we celebrate the resurrection once a year. This is a great thing. Jesus died for my sins and rose again on the third day. That's good news that Jesus is alive. But we have to ask that question, what does it really mean for us? If Jesus says, I am the resurrection, what does that mean for us? I'd ask that you just go over, you can just uh, read with me. We're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 16. Because the question really remains is, is the resurrection enough? Is the resurrection enough? In Luke 16, 30 through 31, we hear Jesus, he begins to tell another story. And you know, the, the, the story of Lazarus was actually, that's something that happened. And Jesus tells this parable in the, chap, in the book of Luke, chapter 16. And I think it's no small coincidence that he actually uses the name Lazarus in the story. And of course, as you know, that the, the story of Lazarus, it, Lazarus was a beggar. And he begged at the gate of a rich man for many, many years. And the rich man never really helped him out, never did anything for him. And there came a moment in time when both of them died and they both and they both went on into eternity the rich man going into Hades and then the and then Lazarus going into Sheol which is the Abraham's bosom and maybe that's another conversation for another day but we have this conversation that's taking place between between Abraham and we have and 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 the rich man and the rich man's like I had no idea that it was going to be this bad. I had no idea that hell was real. I had no idea that, that, that the torment would be real in my life. And this is going to be forever. You have got to tell Lazarus to go or, or, or send somebody to go and tell all my brothers and warn them of the terrible destruction that's coming into their lives. And of course, as we see in these verses that Abraham tells me, he says, they have Moses and the prophets to warn them. They have Moses and the prophets to warn them. What is that? That's the, that's the entirety of the Old Testament. He says they, they know the truth. They just refuse to pay attention to it. Then he says, well, listen, I got, a, I, got a, I got another idea. So this is the rich man telling Abraham, I got a plan. How about this? How about you actually send Lazarus that you, that you send Lazarus from the grave back to the world and have them go warn, have him go warn my brothers. That, that was gotta, that's gotta be convincing. That's, I mean, that's, that would do it. And, and we find ourselves right here at Luke chapter 16, verse 30. It said, and he said, he said, no father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rise from the dead. 
You know, I think it's no small coincidence that we see here these two stories. You see Jesus and his friend Lazarus who was raised from the dead. And then Jesus telling a story about a man named Lazarus who, who even though he'd be raised from the dead, that, that's not going to convince all of this rich man's brothers. That, that the resurrection, it's convincing, yeah, but it's not convincing enough if they're ignoring the law and the prophets anyway. See, we can compare and contrast these stories. And I think that was maybe Jesus' intent. You know, I don't know that Lazarus, this could have been the story of Lazarus actually going in. And this could have been a real conversation, Jesus telling it in the parable. And And Lazarus, again, raising from the dead. Because we know that, in fact, Lazarus was raised from the dead. In fact, it caused a great uproar in the community that he was in. It's so obvious that he was raised from the dead. In fact, if you want to turn with me, we'll go to John 12, 1 and 2. Let me go back over there to John. And we see this just a little bit later. As Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. This is kind of the aftermath of that taking place. It says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. You see, Lazarus was there with Jesus right there before the Passover. Let's go all the way to 9 and 11. 9 through 11. John 12, 9 through 11. It says, Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, And they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. You see, Lazarus was raised from the dead. And he began, how many of you realize that his life was changed from that point on? In fact, because of the testimony of what Jesus had done in Lazarus' life, he began to go out and proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. And his life became a living testimony of the work of Jesus. And many of the Jews' lives were changed forever. The question I would have is, why in the world would the Jews try to put a man that was raised from the dead to death? I mean, don't they? Jesus, hey, come on, come on back, Lazarus. Come on back, Lazarus. Come on back, Lazarus, right? But I want you to see here that, that something, a, a miracle had happened in Lazarus' life. And his life was never the same again. Anybody here ever bought a Ferrari? There was a guy that I knew at one point in time, right? He, he had done everything he could. This has been a long time ago. And he, he was kind of like lived down the road from my dad. And he, he was a friend of my dad. And he had sold everything he had. And he went and bought a 1986 Candy Apple Red Ferrari Testarossa, right? With a V12, just, I mean, how many of y'all have seen Miami Vice? I mean, that was a black one, but it's the same car in Candy Apple Red. It was beautiful, right? But here's the deal. He went and bought that car. Now, this was in the 90s, so it was about 10 years old. I have, you know, the, the financial, that didn't really matter. But he never drove it. It's like he's got this beautiful, awesome car that just sits in his garage, and when it's nice outside, he backs it out of the driveway, and then he just kind of wipes it down and cleans it up, and then he just pulls it back into the driveway, like, man, what are you doing? You know, it's like, you got this awesome thing going here. 
You see, Lazarus didn't want to live. He had been given a new life. And he said, you know what? I'm going to give this new life to the work of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to begin to do the things and go with Jesus everywhere he went. In fact, I'm going to sit with him at his table. And I'm going to visit with him. And I'm going to be his friend. And I'm going to tell all the Jews, anybody who asked me, did Jesus raise me from the dead? Yes, he did raise me from the dead. And, and that began to convince other people that, 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 that Jesus, of who Jesus really was. In fact, that they say Jesus is the Son of God, the risen Savior. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. You know, that resurrection, think about this. Without the resurrection, what hope do we truly have in this world? Think about that just for a moment. Without the resurrection, what hope do we have in this world? There was actually a group of, of, of religious people in that time that, 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 that they would go out and try to convince people that the resurrection was not a real thing. They were called the Sadducees. And there's this whole joke, and I'll tell you in case you hadn't heard it, that, you know, they didn't believe in the... The, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see, you know. So, but, that, but the resurrection is our hope, right? I mean, if, if, if there is no resurrection, what do we have to look, actually look forward to? Death and eternal darkness? What are we really living for? What are we trying to accomplish? What is this life all about? Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And this last week we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That Jesus was rose again on the third day. I'm sorry, I'm going to make an apology. I typically don't like to make apologies. I'm using a lot of scripture. But there's a reason for that. Because I want you to go and read. And I want you to go and look and see that, that God is good. That God is our Savior. Let's look in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. And I want to encourage you, if you go home today and start in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, and, and just read... All the way to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And just, just read that when you get home today. I want to encourage you to do that. But in 1 Corinthians 15, 4 through 8, we see here Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's beginning to write these words. He says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. You see here, this is something that Paul has received that he's giving to the church. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to Scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, which is Peter, then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. But some have fallen asleep. I mean, think about that from a, a perspective of witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know that there were hundreds of, res of people that were there that saw Jesus hung on a cross, died. He was buried in a tomb three days. The tomb was empty. But not only that, after that, he was seen by over 500 witnesses. And as Paul's writing these words, he's saying, go ask them. They're still around today. Who saw Jesus raised again from the dead. And after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as, one, as by one born 
out of due time. You know, one of the greatest testimonies of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus, of the resurrection, is Paul's conversion. The man who wrote probably over half of the New Testament. That Paul was a persecutor of the saints. That Paul was a murderer. He was a liar. He began to persecute and and try to bring, bring death and destruction upon the Christian church. And by one event that day as he was on his way to Damascus to go bring more torment and shame to the Christian church, Jesus met him right there on the road. And his life was changed forever. Let's skip down to verse 12. Paul continues to say, after all these things, he says, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Verse 17, it says, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is our access to the Father. It is our salvation. It is the evidence that is required for the salvation of our sins. You see, it's in the resurrection that we have our hope that we have our future, that we have our love, that our love and all those things become real and effective in our lives. You see, through the resurrection, we come to the realization that our lives are not our own. We can say like Paul, it's not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. But the point I want you to see today is that the resurrection was not the only work that took place in Lazarus' life that day. Let's go back to that story of Lazarus for just a moment. You see, Jesus didn't just say, I am the resurrection, did he? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus didn't just come to die on a cross to be raised again on the third day for the salvation of our sins. But Jesus had a greater purpose for each and every one of us right here on this earth. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Let's go back to John chapter 11, verse 44. It says, and he who died, this is Lazarus, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. You see, that day, Jesus just didn't give new life through his resurrection. But he wanted to set Lazarus free through his resurrection. You see, how many of us are still, we're we're raised from the dead. We've said, Lord, we give our lives to you, that we dedicate everything that we have to you, but we're still walking around in grave clothes. That we're still walking around bearing the burdens of of past sin, bearing the burdens of past shame, bearing the burdens of addiction and bondage. 
And, and we, we want to walk around in those, in those grave clothes. But Jesus, he said, loose him and let him go. Jesus wants to set us free from those old ways of our life. He wants to set us free from our old sin and death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. How many times in the church do we see people set free from that life of death? That we see them raised again to newness of life, but yet they still have those grave clothes on. They're not made perfect yet. They're not made new yet. Jesus, He wants to use the church to say, loose them and set them free. Many of us, we say, we see those grave clothes, that person's dead. Send them back to the grave. Come on, we need to be a church that recognizes the resurrection power in people's lives. And we need to, to, to be a church that, resur- that, that realizes our purpose in, in playing our part in that saga, in that story of loosing people from the sins of their old lives, of helping them break free from that shame, helping them break free from that bondage, helping them break free from the grave clothes that they've been carrying around and wearing all of their lives. Amen. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Come on, I want to walk in newness of life today. I want to walk in newness of life today. I've been set free. I no longer have to look. I have a, I have a hope. I no longer have to look at death as a negative thing, right? The sting of death has been wiped away in my life. But I don't want to walk around wearing grave clothes the rest of my life. Come on, I want to put on new clothes, Right? I want to put on those new skins. I want to put on that newness of life. I want to be an encouragement to people. I want to be a testimony like Lazarus was, walking daily with Jesus, eating supper with him, being with him there day in and day out as a testimony to the great work he's done in my life. I want to know my new identity is no longer in the grave. Come on, my new identity is in the life with Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 4 through 6. Again, we're looking at the story of Paul. And Paul's writing to the Roman church. He says this. He says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should wane in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Right now, I want you to say this. Say, my old man was crucified with Christ. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin come on we have a new identity in Jesus Christ we no longer have to identify with that past life of sin and shame and darkness and death but we can now identify with Christ in his resurrection power in his new life come on I want the newness of life I want to be loose from those grave clothes that I've been carrying around 
But we need each other. What I want you to see here that Lazarus couldn't do it alone. I mean, Jesus could have probably walked over there and began to take those grave clothes off himself. But it took a great work of faith by those people that were there that Jesus said, loose him and let him go. How many of you recognize that they had no idea what they were going to find under those grave clothes? Lazarus was dead for four days. They even said, Jesus, we don't want to open the tomb, man. He'd been in there four days. There's some things going on that, you know. But Jesus said, no, I'm the resurrection and the life. He said, by faith, I want you to go to those new, that, to Lazarus, and I want you to begin to take that, that cloth off his head, and you can see the shining brightness of his new face, that you can take those clothes off of his body, and you can see that his skin is made new, that he's walking in a newness of purpose, that he has an identity no longer in death, but in life. That his testimony now is a testimony of resurrection. I believe that there's many of us here that are walking around in grave clothes. I believe that there's many of us here that are walking around having been raised again to newness of life. Come on, how many of you realize that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, that we talked about, Paul was talking about baptism in Romans, that as we go under the water, that we identify with his death. Some of us stay in that death. That we, yeah, our, we died to sin. We died to, to that past. We died to all those things. And that's where we stay. That's where it stops. But I believe that God wants us to all walk in the, that newness of life and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We need to shed those old grave clothes. Come on, that's not easy. I mean... Lazarus was probably naked under there. It can be a little uncomfortable as we help each other, as we engage with one another, as we connect with each other and look for help from each other. That we have to be a church that says, you know what? I see things in your life that you're still walking in, that old, in those old ways. And I want to help you take those grave clothes off. Not, I, don't, I don't want to go up to say, man, I see that this, oh, you, the way you live in your life, oh, you need to go back in the tomb, my friend. No. Come on. That person's been raised to new life. That person's alive again in Christ. That per, that, Jesus didn't go to the cross for, in vain. He went to raise us to new life. That we need to recognize that that person is new and help them. Not throw them back in the tomb. Come on, and baptism is, a sim- is symbolic of that death and burial. But none of us can live under the water. That we were all raised again to newness of life. Come on, our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's good news. That's good news.
You know, even as we, as Lazarus came out of that tomb, he probably, as he had that shroud over his head, it blocked his vision. That he couldn't even see the people around him cheering him on and celebrating over what Jesus has done in his life. What a powerful story. But it begins, as Jesus said there in John chapter 3, that we have to be born again. Born of water and of the Spirit. Can we stand together right now and as we just begin to just seek the Lord? I want to ask this question. How many of you could say to that today that you may be walking around in those grave clothes. That you may be walking around holding on to that past life, not wanting to let go of the remnants of that life. Afraid that if I take this, these old garments off, people might see the real me underneath. Jesus said he's the resurrection and the life. I believe that Jesus wants us as a church to begin to engage people, to help them grow and move beyond what the world said they were, dead, loser, rich, white, tall, white guy. And they can begin to move into what Jesus said that they were. Come on, redeemed, set free, son and daughter of God, a priesthood, a royal nation. Amen. Come on. That's good news. Jesus said that we are to walk in his life. I am the resurrection and the life. So here today, I want to give an opportunity. If you have some things in your life where you're still wearing those those old grave clothes. Come on, this isn't a place of judgment. This isn't a place of condemnation. This is a place where we can walk out of those dark tombs of life. And we can walk into the bright sun of His resurrection. And we can say, Lord, I give my life to You. I no longer want to carry these things around anymore. I no longer want to wear these, these shrouds of my past. But I want to walk in newness of life. But how many of you realize we, we do that... We have to lay down our own pride. We have to begin to say, Lord, I, it's, it's a humbling thing. Come on, many of us are carrying around those shrouds of addiction, those shrouds of pornography and sexual immorality, those shrouds of alcoholism, drug addiction, the shrouds of pride, contempt, bitterness, unforgiveness, lying. Come on, I believe that right now, Jesus wants to begin to say to his church, loose him and set him free. Come on, many of you here today need to be set free by the resurrection power of the risen Savior. If that's you today, I want to encourage you just to make your way right up here to these front altars.